Welcome in. These are the MMA Minutes. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Danny Gutierrez. Sean. Danny. How are you? I'm fine. You're just fine? Same as always. Fine? Same as always? change that much. I don't know why. You always ask me every week. We got two MMA events tomorrow. With three title fights. Yeah, but that's tomorrow, that doesn't, not today. That doesn't psych you up? Right now is the 19th, and right now <laughs> I still have stuff to do today, Soon. and I'm dreading that. <laughs> tomorrow I'll be happier because I got free Bellator, <laughs> and then I'll be trying to find some streams for the last two fights well, on that UFC path, card. Your path to Bellator on the new Paramount Network, no longer Spike TV. I am excited to hear Big John yeah. and, and, uh, gonna be and, and Mike Goldberg. Together on Bellator, it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. because I, you know, Goldie is a goof and yeah, he, he is. isn't he isn't great. I I I have a a fondness for Goldie, but he isn't a great play by play announcer. And him and Joe were always a perfect pair in my yes. mind, just because I grew up with that pair. Yes, uh, but it's going to be interesting hearing him and Big John. You know what, Mike Goldberg and Big John. What Big John brings to the table is that he's a referee, so he can call out some oh, technical yeah. things mm-hmm. that the crowd that you don't necessarily understand. So that's good. And he's and been there since the birth. I mean, he's been yes. there since UFC one. Yep, he was there in 1993, right there. Yeah, he, he was, was. He was the ref in uh, which one? How many fights was he the ref in for that one? Is you? I mean, he's just a, such a recognizable figure. Well, he. Uh, Reft in UFC, and then he reft in Strike Force for a very long time, and then the UFC picked him back up again. Now he's back with Scott Coker and Bellator. So we're gonna see. I've heard him uh, commentate before. Mm-hmm. I forget which promotion that it was, but it was a very affliction. yeah. He was very uh, oh there it is affliction for the Whamma heavyweight title, right? That uh, I have no idea which one. That I just Fedor, Fedor Melianenko won, I believe. But uh, yeah, he was very uh, technical announcer. And he knew what he was talking about, so that's going to be very exciting to hear. And I like uh, Mike Goldberg's charisma, too. I'm going to miss Jimmy Smith, but Mike Goldberg's got some really good charisma, too. But Jimmy Smith is going to be commentating at UFC 220. That's no, I don't a, think he is. I thought he no, was, I think, yeah. I think uh, Jimmy Smith's first one is uh, next week. I don't think it's. I don't think he's starting this week, because I think it's still Joe and uh, Anakin, and maybe— uh, Anik. Anik. Uh, yeah, no, no, you're right. No, Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. Smith is. It's going to be uh, UFC 220. They're breaking them in early. Broadcast crew is set. Uh, let's see who we got. Uh, Anik and then Joe Rogan and down to Cruz. But he's yes. going to be on, uh, I believe, FS1. Yeah, okay. He's going to be back at the desk. So he'll be joining uh, uh, Karen Bryant, Kenny Florian, and Rashad Evans. That's that's awesome. So I'm he's actually a, happy yeah. about that. So he's not doing his. Uh, so I was. He's not commentating. Yeah, he's, he's broadcasting. Not, yeah. So he's he's okay. making his debut at least at the desk later on. He's not making his debut. Well, that'll yet. be cool to hear to get his insight on some of the undercards because he's a very good commentator himself. He's a former uh, athlete. He's fought guys like Jason Chambers. He's a high level Brazilian jiu jitsu black belt. Mm-hmm. Particularly, he loves ankle locks. So when it comes to grappling, he's just as knowledgeable as Joe Rogan. So I'm happy that the UFC picked up Jimmy Smith. Yeah, um, it's definitely gonna be interesting to uh, see what Jimmy Smith brings to uh, the UFC and see uh, you know different eyes get on because not every UFC is a Bellator right. fan. I mean, not, not, true, you know, true. Not everyone loves MMA, and, and right. you know some people just like the promotion. And uh, I for, it, the one I'm thinking of is uh, Big John was the uh, uh, ref and uh, Hoist versus uh, Chemo. Yeah, Chemo Leopoldo. That's yeah, right. So, those were uh, that, that's what I, I remember like first seeing Big John was uh, UFC three so um, all time great now moving over to color t- commentary let's get into the actual fights because we yes. got two cards we've been mentioning them in, in a little bit 
uh, you know, in, in passing. But uh, Bellator 192, headlined by Quentin Rampage Jackson versus Chael Sonnen. It was originally headlined by Douglas Lima versus Rory McDonald for their welterweight belt, but they ultimately switched it. Um, that is going to be free on uh, pay- uh, cable TV on the Paramount Network. It used to be Spike TV. I think it's the same channel for you know uh, on your cable packages. So yes. whatever Spike TV was, it's now just rebranded as the Paramount Network. Um, and that is going to be having Quentin Rampage Jackson versus Chael Sonnen as the main event. Douglas Lima versus Rory McDonald. Former champ Michael Chandler taking on Cody Yamauchi. And then we're also going to be talking about Aaron Pico, uh, the biggest prospect in MMA, apparently, taking on Shane Cruchin. Those are going to be the four fights we're talking about on that card. And then also on Saturday, that Bellator 192 card is happening at the Forum in Inglewood uh, out in California. UFC 220 happening on the same day, live on pay-per-view, uh, out in Boston at the TD Garden, headlined by Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou. Both fighters made weight, Stipe weighing in at 245, Francis weighing in at 263, also headlined by the co-main event, where in the light heavyweight title fight, champion Daniel Cormier, who weighed in at 205 today, will be defending his belt against Volkan Uzdemir, who also weighed in at 205. Also, uh, on that card that we'll be talking about is a fight between two bantamweights, number 10, Thomas Almeida, and number 14, Rob Font. Again, that's taking place in Boston. It should be fun. Danny, since you are my go-to guy, (laughs) which one do you want to talk about first, Bellator or UFC? You know what? Um, Let's talk about some UFC first. All right. We've been covering the UFC a lot. Haven't had a Bellator event that we've covered in a while because there hasn't been a lot of notable Bellator cards this top is, to bottom recently, right, so uh, we'll, right, we'll, the, sa- we'll save the the free one for last. I don't know about best for last. Probably top to bottom, it's right. better. But the two top uh, two top fights, at least at UFC two twenty, uh, are definitely interesting. Let's start though at the uh, opener for the main card. Number ten, Thomas Almeida versus number fourteen, Rob Font in the bantamweight division. Almeida coming in at twenty two and two. The Brazilian taking on Rob Font fourteen and three in his career. Who you got in this fight, Danny? If you love strikers and you just love it when two fighters just throw caution to the wind and fight, you're going to love this fight because Thomas Almeida comes from that old-school shootbox Brazilian Muay Thai style of fighting, and you see it in his style. He loves to kick, loves to switch stances. He loves striking, loves flying knees. He loves to unorthodox... Un, utilize unorthodox mm-hmm. techniques, excuse me. Uh, Rob Font is a very crisp clean striker he's very good at boxing range he's very good in the pocket and you've seen Thomas Almeida have trouble with guys who give him trouble in the pocket with Cody Garbrandt and Jimmy Rivera so this is going to be a very interesting fight for Rob Font I'm going to give it to Rob Font because of that I think his uh, very intriguing footwork and his uh, quick boxing technique is really going to get it done against Thomas Almeida because Thomas Almeida is going to need to create some space in order to get off on those kicks. 80% of Almeida's strikes uh, have have happened on the feet. Rob Font, 89% of his strikes have happened on the feet. So like you mentioned, both guys are strikers. But both guys have had a little bit of a rocky road. Both guys are 2-2 two and two in their last fights. Thomas Almeida started his career 21-0, and 0, and you look at his career in the UFC I think, he, uh, and this is at least what I'm seeing. Five, uh, seven total fights in in his uh, in his UFC career, five and two. And in all of those wins, he's either had fight of the night or performance of the night. So yeah. he puts on a show every time he's out there. Yeah. And you look at Rob Font. Rob Font, not exactly the same, but you you know he has a couple performance of the nights. I uh, had one against Douglas Silva. There's uh, potential Deandre. there. Yep. There's potential there. And also there against for Rob uh, Font. George Roop. Uh, back in 2014, uh, but overall in his career, he is uh, at least 4-2 and two in the UFC. Um, however, 
Um, there was the, the 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 fight that really stands out to me, and it's really how much has he grown since 2016. UFC 192, John Lineker versus Rob Font. Uh-huh. Rob Font really got tagged up by John Lineker. You look at the way, and especially Lineker. I mean, Lineker's a guy that, again, will stand and trade with you inside the pocket, hands of stone, uh, can deliver a punch. If Almeida is able to replicate that, then I would be confident giving it to Almeida. However, taking everything in, especially your great analysis, I think I'm going to go Rob Font. Even though Almeida, probably the better prospect, probably you know the better athlete, uh, I believe he's younger as well. He's 26. Rob Font's 30. Um, you know, it, my gut wants to say Almeida just because he's got the look, he's got everything about him. Uh, but Rob Font, I think technically, he's got more with him. He's got a harder work ethic. He's right. got great cardio. Um, got great footwork, like you mentioned. Where you look at Almeida, great striker. But I don't know if that game is fully there. Where Rob Font, I feel like, has more of that technical side. Uh, that he will be able to bring, and, and and that's why I'm more comfortable picking Rob Font in this fight. Let's move now to the co-main event, the light heavyweight fight between Daniel Cormier, DC 19-1 and one on his career with one no contest, taking on the up-and-coming champion, not the number one contenders, that is Alexander Gustafson, but uh, the number two contender in Volkan Ozdemir, no time, as they've been calling him. He's 15-1 his career, and in the UFC's undefeated, started off his career with a decision win against Ovin St. Peru, and then has just been teeing off on the yeah. past two fighters. Knocked yeah. out Jimmy Manuel in, what, 20 seconds? 30 and seconds. 30 seconds. Or, or and then, Jimmy Manuel was 40 seconds, I believe. Yeah, and then uh, Misha Krushinov was, like, yeah. seven seconds. Misha Serkinov, yeah. Serkinov. Thank you. Uh, Serkinov, I believe that was like a seven-second fight or like a 14-second. Like 30-second. I think yeah. in his past two fights, yeah, I don't think he's gotten over a minute of fight time. So no time coming in. Very uh, uh, apropos nickname, trying to come in and knock out DC. Is Ozdemir JV like DC has been calling him? <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes JV guys rise up to the occasion and they surprise even the varsity guys. Uh, it's been no different when Ozdemir, uh, even in his first fight against OSP, nobody thought that he'd be able to beat OSP. But not only did he beat him, he out-wrestled the wrestler at certain points in the fight, and he was out he was outclassing with the strikes from the outside. And then you see his fight with uh, Serkinov, and he starches him. Mm. And then you see his fight with Jimmy Manoa. Jimmy Manoa actually got in Vulcan Ozdemir's face and soon regretted it right then and there. Yeah. Um, and it was now, just like, a, it was just, right. he snapped. Yes, and now we're here. Now we're at the title shot. Um, so I don't, I, I, I don't know, DC. I don't know if DC's uh, right here. I think, I don't think, I think, I think Vulcan is a little bit more than just JV. However, I mean, you look at DC, I mean, not only is he, you know, varsity, this guy's an Olympian. And yes, also, 19 and 1 in his career, the only guy to ever give him true trouble has is been John, John Jones. Jones. And yep. outside of that, DC really hasn't had that many, you know, tough fights. I mean, the Gustafson fight was very close. Yeah, it was a good fight. But DC still won that fight. I don't think there was really a lot of doubt in people's mind. No, I don't think a lot of people scored that for Gustafson uh, in the end. It was a majority decision. It wasn't a split decision. It was a majority decision. But even, you know, in in recollection, there's not a lot of people. It was decisive. It's not like GSP versus Johnny Hendricks in GSP's last fight where people were like, Johnny Hendricks should have won that fight. Right. GSP ends up getting the decision. Most people thought DC won that fight. Right. Um, I mean, ultimately, DC really hasn't been given a, a, a... really true test in his career outside of John Jones. So true. I don't see Ozdemir with the likes of, you know, Anderson Silva, Gustafson, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Dan Henderson, Roy Nelson, Frank Mir, Josh Barnett, Bigfoot Silva on DC's 
you know, hit list pretty much giving him trouble. The only way I could see Ozemir giving him trouble is with the puncher's chance, which he clearly has. I mean, this guy has hands of stone, can knock you out with one punch. I mean, he's got ridiculous punching power. Um, but overall, I mean, it's DC is a, a, a more well-rounded fighter, and it's not really even that close. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna pick Vulcan KO Ozdemir for You're this fight. You're taking JV. Yes, I am. I love it when I. Are you right, buying we into saw, that? You know Luke, what? We Luke saw this. We saw the same thing with T, when TJ Dillashaw went up against Henan Barrow, right? I don't and we know saw if it's the same. same thing when we saw uh, Ray, way back. Henan Barrow's not an Olympian. When Randy Couture fought Chuck Liddell, and this is when Chuck Liddell was the man, and they were fighting for the light interim light heavyweight title because Tito didn't want to fight either of them. Randy went down, wasn't ex- was expected to lose against Chuck. Chuck lost. Yeah, but Randy to him. was a former champ. Yes, and he Randy was also. Randy Couture was, like, was a legend even back then. Yes. Well, you're, 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 right so you're telling me that DC's not that much of a legend now that he was? No, but I'm saying you're saying that Chuck Liddell was the man back then. Yeah. And Randy Couture was a legend back then. Yeah. So both guys had legendary power. Right. And 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 I'm not putting Ozdemir as a, a legend right now. He no, would, but he's got the power. But he's not a legend. He's coming up against a legend, and he's rising. He's in the same position that they were in. Even, even yeah, but Randy when, was even a former K- heavyweight champ. Even when Couture even was against that- Tim Sylvia, everyone thought that Tim Sylvia was going to eat him alive. Even Frankie Edgar, BJ Penn. Frankie Edgar, when Frankie I, Edgar went up I against think BJ your, Penn. I Penn and Barrow, TJ Dillashaw one, might have been more on the mark. Than <laughs> comparing him to former heavyweight champ. My point, champ, my Randy point is, is that we've seen fighters given a chance and they rise yeah. to the occasion. I mean, and they Sarah. run home with it. Yeah, That's Matt another Sarah great GSP. example. Yeah. But I think it's different. I mean, I there's 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 everything that we have been given to all the information that we've seen. DC is the best fighter in this fight, and it's not even outside close. of John Jones. No, I, I'm right, saying in exactly. this fight. There's yeah. only, I mean, John Jones is in this fight. No, I understand. Yeah. That. Okay, but, I but in this fight. DC's the best fighter. It's not even close in, in my mind. And, and 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 overall, DC, I mean, the only thing that I could see him giving problem is the weight cut that he just did because he looked absolutely drained. He looked sick weighing in. He does have a lot of time to to regroup. I mean, now from 11 a.m. Boston time all the way to 7 yeah, he p.m. Can lift Eastern next up. week. I mean, yeah, I mean, he could rehydrate. He can replenish himself and, and be, you know, the fighter before. We've seen him look very, uh, you know, uh, depleted. On the scales against John Jones, against Rumble, against Gustafson. This isn't really something new for him. But then again, you wonder when is enough time, especially going up against Ozemir, who has that punching power that could possibly, you know, really just drain him. And, and if he's already coming in drained, he takes one punch, he can, it could be lights out for him. Um, we even see the stuff with Uriah Hall, you know, saying that even if he made weight, he would be, you know, close to dead uh, if he was fighting. Uh, against Vitor Belfort uh, last Sunday. Yeah, that was a shame to lose that fight, and it's a mm-hmm. shame that it got to that point for Uriah Hall to you know, have a mini heart attack and a mini seizure. But Yeah, we, we wish him the best. But what I'm saying is if DC isn't fully healthy and right. isn't fully recovered from his weight cut, then I could see Ozdemir taking this. But if if he is fine, if he's regular DC, DC wraps him up in two rounds. I mean, DC's got it all working for him. He's got great striking, working at AKA with Javier Mendez. He's got great wrestling. Talked about that Olympic uh, level background. He's a really hard worker. He moves well for a really big guy. Um, and again, we haven't seen anybody give him trouble except John mm-hmm. Jones. Um, 
who but is think, much longer, much more right, athletic, right. which is weird saying. People forget that Volkan Ozdemir, though, was a pro kickboxer before entering into mixed martial arts. So he's very he's not ignorant to DC's wrestling. He's not ignorant to DC's striking. He knows what to expect coming into this fight. It's just, can he well, do it? Especially if Luke Rockhold's giving him all these tips. Since Luke Rockhold's now training, you know what they made a joke in, about in, that. I don't think that Luke Rockhold's going to breach any barriers and try and give Vulcan some some hints. It was another joke. <laughs> we just messing around. But you know, DC was saying that you know he he understands why Luke was there and that Luke <laughs> Luke has been giving him the scouting report on Vulcan. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> ultimately, I'm going DC though, and you're going to go with Vulcan. I want a Vulcan KO Ozdemir. You're going Bolt. No every time. every every time that I've gone for Vulcan Ozdemir, he's won. So well, we've only picked him I, three times. Have we picked him three times? Yes. Do we pick his yep. debut fight against Yep Saint Prue? I don't remember that. Yep, because Saint Prue was uh, on the backlog against. Um, actually, Saint Prue was having trouble because he just lost to John Jones. Then he went up against Ozdemir, and then he went up against Manoa, and got KO'd by Manoa. But, but ever since then, he's looked really good. Yes, he has. He's, he's rebounded, but oh yeah, because that was the Bermuda's yep. Korean zombie fight. I do yep. remember that. We picked Alexis Grasso versus Felice Herrick. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. That's weird. Because then, yeah, my girl Jessica Andrade was fighting on that yep. fight. Okay, yeah. It's coming back to me now. I remember this. <laughs> Slowly but surely, the cobwebs. I have, <sighs> I have yeah, it's it's early in the morning. It's 10, 10 15 a.m. Uh, but There's yeah. only two hours left in this morning. Uh, weirdly enough, with uh, <laughs> OSP, like you mentioned, uh, actually, it was uh, John Jones, Jimmy Manuel, then Volcan. Okay. In, in the order okay. they lost. Um, and then he came back with against... Uh, Marcos Roger de Lima uh, beat him with a Von Flew, then beat uh, Yushin Okami with a Von Flew choke, mm-hmm. and then just KO'd uh, Corey Anderson, Anderson with a head kick. Awesome. From Southpaw stance. That was, that was so, awesome. That UFC 217 fight, was, or that, that whole card was great. Yeah. Uh, let's go talk about 220, though. That was, <laughs> man, that was probably real quick, because I don't think we gave our, our, our card of the year. I think UFC 217 by far yeah. was card of the year. Yeah. Because card with of that year. GSP. Uh, Demolishing of Bisping, I don't know about demolishing, but the the win that he had over it Bisping was, was fantastic. Fight. Great event. The Cody in round one, uh, rocking TJ, and then TJ coming, coming back, back to knock, knock him, out. him out, and then obviously Rose with yeah. the upset. Oh, yeah, with the lead hook, that was awesome. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm now thinking about <laughs> it. Was the all holy these cow card? <laughs> yeah, and then and then OSP head kicking him. James Vick versus uh, Joe Duffy that was great too. Yes, man. Okay, sorry. You, you Don't get be really, sorry. You this get is real, what we're here you for, get real Sean. What we're ta- we, we need to stay on task, <laughs> and what the task at hand is is UFC 220. Let's move on now to the main event. The champ, Stipe Miocic, trying to make history yes. by becoming the first man to ever defend the heavyweight belt. And this is no, not a joke, for his third time. We look at DJ, DJ 11 straight, Anderson Silva 10 straight. Heavyweight, def- yes. the heavyweight belt has never yes. been defended Three straight times by a champ, Stipe Miocic trying to become that first man. He's seventeen and two on his in his career. He is facing the scariest man on the planet, not the baddest man on the planet. That's currently Stipe, but the scariest yes. man yes. in the planet. Number one contender, Francis Ngannou, the monster from Cameroon, the, the predator. predator from Cameroon. Eleven and one in his career. He's been mowing through and knocking the head off of his opponents. Stipe versus Ngannou. Who you got? The fireman versus the predator. This is another monster. Can he movie. put the fire out? <laughs> oh man, you know what? Ngannou's a big guy, and we don't know much about his fighting style other than the fact that he's got really heavy hands. Thank you, thank the, you, Sherlock Holmes, now, for letting us know that Francis Ngannou is a big guy. He's huge. He um, 
So if you watch the, those UFC specials, Francis Ngannou can deliver a punch of 130,000 PSI. Yeah, what was, what was that stupid thing from uh, Dana? He was like, oh, it's by, like getting hit it's by a, a Ford Fiesta or yeah. something. <laughs> a Ford Fiesta. A Ford, it's like a Ford F-150 F- or something Ford like F-150 that. A Ford F-150 going 100 miles per hour. Yeah, something like that. That was the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> hey, did you see Stipe's face when he when he had said that at the press conference? He's kind of like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, I mean, it's no joke, though. He actually does hit that hard. I mean, every one of his fights in the UFC, that his opponents have come out mangled. They don't come out looking the same when you fight Volkan Ozdemir. And even in his— in, Francis I'm sorry, Vance, yeah. Francis Ngannou, my goodness, I'm sorry. You're good. Um, Ngannou knocked out Overeem with a left hook that literally picked him up off of his feet. <laughs> knocked his head back. Knocked his head back. back. Yeah, it was crazy. And just when when and then when he fell, he just kept raining bombs on him. That was nuts. When he knocked out Andre Arlovsky, it looked like it was a it was a punch that just barely touched him, mm-hmm. and he just flatlined Andre just Arlovsky. Touched him. It was ridiculous. You know, so um, it, not much is known about Francis Ngannou's fighting style, other than that he's got some pretty good footwork. He's really strong. He's got very heavy hands. He's obviously very accurate. And he's got some pretty crisp boxing. We don't know much about his grappling. We don't know much about his submission skills. We well, don't we've know. seen him submit Anthony Hamilton once. Uh, that was his, that uh, was, he, was his he, fourth he fight. He pretty much out-muscled Anthony yeah, Hamilton in the clinch. So, but, I mean, but then that's a different monster. I mean, Anthony exactly. Hamilton is not the you know current world champ. Exactly. Stipe Miocic who's gone through exactly. you know, legends like JDS and uh, Fabricio. Yeah, and then speaking of Stipe Miocic, when he fought Mark Hunt, on his on his way to that title shot, he was mixing it up with Mark Hunt with his boxing, and he actually changed levels and was utilizing takedowns and wrestling to throw off Mark Hunt. So he might mix it up in here against Ngannou, but Stipe Miocic, I feel like we haven't talked about Stipe Miocic. He's got very good footwork for a heavyweight himself. He moves well. He's got great cardio, and he can take a shot. Now, he has taken shots before, but can he take the shot of Ngannou? Because every time people have taken the shot of Ngannou, it's just been one. Or maybe a few, a little bit more after that. If you take one, that one against Ngannou is literally the beginning of the end. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, the guy, I mean, at least looking at, you know, the guys that Stipe has fought, I mean, the guy with probably the... He's fought a murderer's role of heavyweights. Yeah, at least, but like similar punching power, probably the guy closest would be JDS. JDS has got very technical, crisp boxing combinations for a heavyweight. He did lose to JDS back in 2014. And that was a five-round war. But yeah, that's and the then thing. the rematch. He took, he, took five round, he, he took five rounds from JDS and 123 punches, and JDS, I don't think, knocked him down once. If he I knocked him that. down once. He did? Yes, he that did. Was, so I, and I think that's one of the most recent times, that, and probably the only time since that fight that you know uh, Steep has been knocked down. Right. So, I mean, Stipe, can he take the shot of Nganu? I mean, we don't know. I have to go for the champion. I think he's going to retain a third time. I think he's going to utilize his uh, fight IQ. Rather, I think he's going to mix it up with his wrestling. I think he's going to mix it up in the clinch. I think he's going to mix it up with leg kicks, actually. Um, I, I just think he's going to mix it up. I think you're going to see a different Stipe in this fight. What a loaded card that was, the the JDS versus Miocic uh, card back yeah, in 2014. That was a free card, yeah. Uh, Dos Santos versus Miocic on the main card. Then Dos Santos, or Dos Santos versus Miocic, then mm-hmm. Dos Santos versus Diaz, then yep. Overeem versus Struve, then yep. Gonzaga versus Mitrione, yep. then Claudia Gadelia versus Ioana Jacek. That was their first fight. Yep. That's insane. Sorry. Just that was... reminiscing again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he did get a, he did get a knockdown against uh, 
against Stipe. He threw 303 uh, shots, too, and only landed 123 of them. Uh, and those were uh, significant strikes, that too. That knockdown, I think, was in the fourth round? Um, Can't get the stats for you. But, yeah, uh, you were right. Um, looking at it, though, I, I, I think you make great points. The, the, Stipe is a better fighter. He's he's, he's more well-rounded. We've seen that uh, he started off as a boxer. He's also added wrestling as well. Yeah, he's a Golden Gloves boxer. I missed yeah. that. That's right. Yeah, That's and, right. Uh, you know, is added in wrestling. Or he started off as a wrestler, I think. He actually and then, started off as a baseball player. Yeah, he's, and, a, he's been an athlete his yeah, whole career. Yeah. Um, but I think he started off as a wrestler in high school and then added the goal, added the boxing and, yes, and became a gold for Gloves experience, boxer. Yes. I think that's his story career. But um, you know, again, he's he's more well rounded. He he has more experience. Seventeen to uh, in his MMA career, he's also been fighting way longer yes. in the UFC than Francis Ngannou has. Yes. He's also fought again the cream of the crop back in 2014. He was fighting JDS. He was fighting Andre Arlovski. He was fighting Alistair Overeem. He was fighting Mark Hunt. Where you look back in 2015, since Ngannou's been there, it was only December 19th of 2015 when he made his debut against Luis Enrique. He's really only started facing the cream of the crop. Back in the start of last year, January 28th, 2017, yep. against Arlovsky, then fought over him. And even then, Arlovsky, it wasn't the same Arlovsky Stipe was facing because that uh, Arlovsky was at least a little bit closer to that nice run that Arlovsky had late in the end of his career. So, again, I don't want to dismiss Francis Ngannou's punching power, and I also don't want to dismiss the body of work that Stipe has had. But that belt is absolutely cursed. That belt is not meant to be held on for a long time. And Francis Ngannou looks like the guy to take that mantle <laughs> from Stipe Miocic. I love Stipe Miocic. I am now going to hang up on people just randomly because of Stipe Miocic and what he does to his wife on Embedded. It's the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, I absolutely love him. Pretty good stuff. He's such a great guy. He seems really fun, really seems down to earth. Also, he's just a fantastic fighter as well. We've seen this. But also, the whole thing about heavyweights is you're not going to have a long, storied career like a uh, Mighty Mouse, like an Anderson, uh, Anderson Silva. Silva. I'm not saying that you know Stipe can't come back if he loses this fight, and and if he does win this fight, he's probably the greatest heavyweight of all time. Uh, but I, there's something in theory, about in theory. Yeah, I mean, you know, at least you know having that record of defending right. it three times, beating guys like uh, you know uh, Fabricio, uh, JDS, uh, Alistair, and then also Ngannou. Uh, you know, if he does win on, on Saturday, but. I, I I have a weird, strange feeling that Ngannou is going to win this fight. And it's nothing that I've seen on tape. It's nothing that I've seen in his fights. It's just Francis Ngannou is absolutely scary. And I think there's something to his aura when he steps into the octagon. It's just something that is too kind of powerful to overcome. And it might be a thing where, you know, Stipe just gets countered. And it's just one punch right to the chin, and Stipe just crumbles like a like a brick house. And and it's it's something where again, technically, Stipe is a better fighter. Who has more experience? Stipe does. Who has been in the octagon a longer time, and who has more tools? It's Stipe. But Francis Ngannou has something that's just naturally given to him in his power and in his build. He's got twenty pounds on him already at weighing. Stipe weighed in at two hundred forty five pounds. I think he Francis has to Ngannou. cut down too. Francis Ngannou has to cut down. Yeah, he he, he weighed in at two sixty three in the the last fight against uh, Alistair Overeem. He was at two sixty five. He cuts down to two sixty five. Mm-hmm. So he has this natural just gift of his body. Mm-hmm. And this guy is gonna be probably around maybe two eighty. Yeah, when, uh, when he, when he there, rehydrates, maybe two seventy five. Yeah, maybe two seventy five, two eighty. I mean, he, he might not cut uh, too many pounds, but you know, he, he's eating steak. 
the, the, the week of the fight. <laughs> I mean, this guy is a monster. I think that Francis Ngannou is just going to be able to come in there, and, and, and he might not do it gracefully. This isn't going to be, uh, you know, like a, a picking apart like Cody Garbrandt did to Dominic Cruz back when he won the title. But I think this could be very well like the Fabrizio Verdum, uh, Stipe Miocic fight where Francis, uh, Francis, uh, Fabrizio just rushes in, or Stipe rushes in, and then Francis just catches him. Or, or, you know, in some different way where it's not clean, it's not pretty, but Francis catches him and Stipe goes out. So uh, I think it's going to be one of the best fights that, that we've seen. I think it's going to be one of the most interesting fights. There's definitely going to be that tension coming into that fight where, you know, something big is about to happen. And I think it's going to be fight of the night. But I think that Stipe loses this belt. Um, and it's 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 going to oh, be pretty crazy if he does. I think Stipe will win the belt. I don't think he'll be there for the big shots that Francis Ngannou will bring. But maybe Francis Ngannou will have some footwork to back that power shot up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, 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 I think like it's going to be something special. Ngannou's, when it comes to MMA, Ngannou started MMA in hopes of being a boxer. Yeah. And look at where he is now. He, I mean, he's got power, but we'll see. We'll see. I think something special or something crazy is going to be happening. I think we're going to see uh, someone add to their highlight reel, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to be— He's a baby in MMA. He is. He's still a baby in MMA. But the thing that he has that Ozdemir doesn't, and, and maybe they're both still JV. You said Ozdemir. You know, I know. Okay, Saying they're cool. both— Nganu and The challengers, Vulcan, you yeah, say. Okay. Might both be JV, but I think the guy that is more varsity and the guy that could be taking the starting job— is the guy with the natural given powers to him, and that's that's Francis Ngannou, who's just naturally a freak of nature. You saying Volkan Ozdemir doesn't have natural given powers? Not like Francis Ngannou. I mean, he was able. He's to not. He's KO not. A, he's his... not a Mack truck. He's not two hundred and sixty-five pounds with an eighty-three. I mean, inch arm reach, knocking the, the head off. The spirit of his fists might be, man. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> his Fran- fists have said otherwise. <laughs> Francis Ngannou has four straight knockouts in the yes. first round. Volkan Ozdemir. There's two very nice ones, <laughs> but I don't know if he's like it, it's just something where it, you know Francis Ngannou just throws his fist up and it just it 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 it, it will break like a China cabinet. <laughs> it sounds cabinet. devastating. Yeah, the wind that passes by it. <laughs> where Ozdemir, it's like, oh wow, that actually that like yeah. that happened. Oh, that was so quick. Where with Francis Ngannou, it's scary. Yeah, like your jaw drops when Francis Ngannou touches a person. So it's gonna be crazy. UFC uh, 220 live I'm, on pay per view. I'm taking Stipe. I think he'll retain his title. I think Vulcan's gonna be the new UFC light heavyweight champion. We're both taking Rob Font. You're taking Vulcan Ozdemir in the co-main event. I'm taking DC, and I'm taking Francis Ngannou. You're taking Stipe Miocic, like you said, in UFC 220. Let's move on now to Bellator 192. Like I said, Let's taking place on. on Saturday on the Paramount Network out in Inglewood, California, at the Forum. First fight we're going to be talking about is Aaron Pico versus Shane Cruchin. Aaron Pico, only one and one in his uh, (laughs) professional MMA career. Yes. Uh, But Aaron Pico is heralded as the next big thing in MMA. I believe he's 20 years old, 21 years old. Uh, Very young. He is 21 years old. Uh, 5'8", 145 pounds, featherweight fight between him and Shane Cruchin. Shane Cruchin coming in at 12 and 3 on his career. The war rhino. He's 6'1", 145 pounds. Uh, coming out of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, 12-3 on his career, like I said, 33 years old. What do you got in this fight? This is going to be a very interesting fight at featherweight. You have a very experienced Shane Crutchin against uh, Aaron Pico, who's very young in his career. Again, he's a baby in his MMA career. But again, 
coming from AKA and having your Mendez and Crazy Bob Cookies heralded as one of the better stable mates and coming out of that camp mm-hmm. and his last fight we saw it and the fight before that i mean he was fighting a guy that was a weight class above him yeah, so Zach we couldn't necessarily see too much of that uh maybe we'll see more in this fight but he's got to be careful because shane crutchen is like you said he is a 10th planet jujitsu stable mate he's very dangerous on the ground um but i'm gonna take aaron pico because usually aka guys their wrestling style is very good. Is very good at nullifying uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. Very high level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. Uh, they do very good, very well against the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. So, I'm going to take uh, Aaron Pico. I feel like his athleticism and his experience in boxing and wrestling is going to get it done against uh, Shane Crutchin. Yeah, and that knockout against Justin Lin was scary. That was he nasty, just, and that came, came from in... a featherweight. We're talking about knockout power and Francis Ngannou. That came from a featherweight. He came in with that left hook and just placed it beautifully yep. on the chin and just Justin Lin went lifeless. He just fell back and it was it was disgusting. Like it was it was picture perfect and and that's what we've been hearing about from Aaron Pico. I mean, he's been doing this to guys in his training sessions. He's been doing this guys uh in, in sparring sessions. He's been able to do this in the gym and like coming out of AKA, I mean, you see all the great guys, Habib, DC, uh Luke Rockhold, uh Kane Velasquez as well. There's champions coming out of that camp and this guy is the most herald Mm. Uh, prospect coming out of that gym. Brett Akamoto of ESPN wrote an article saying he's the next big, big, big thing in MMA, and you saw it in that Justin Lin fight. You didn't get the chance to see it in that Zach Freeman fight as it was over so soon, but if he gets a chance to set up and get comfortable in the octagon against Shane Cruchin, I think he's going to win this fight. In Bellator? I'm used to saying octagon in MMA. <laughs> the cage. The cage, <laughs> I know. I'm used to saying octagon. <laughs> the cage in Bellator. Uh, it's close enough to it. it's 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 very like you know come on it, it's not eight sides but it's close enough. I just don't want you to get in trouble. <laughs> but thank and I, I appreciate that. Uh, but if he's comfortable in the cage and he's able to set up and be able to do what he wants, I feel like he'll be able to get a win over Kuchin. I don't know if it's going to be as nice as a win over uh, Lynn, but I think it's going to be at least a win for Aaron Pico. Let's move on now to the former lightweight champ in Bellator, Michael Chandler, making his return. Just recently lost to Brent Primus at Bellator 180 back on June 24th, 2017. Before that, he did have wins over Benson Henry, Patricky Friere, uh, Derek Campos, Dave Rickles. Uh, and then, obviously, before that, he had three losses to uh, Eddie Alvarez and two against Will Brooks. Uh, but Michael Chandler, pretty much the golden boy of Bellator, has been there for so long. He's been champion before. Um, so looking at Chandler coming in against Goto Yamaguchi, uh, Yamauchi, sorry, uh, Yamauchi, 22 and three in his career, 25 years old, uh, and and he is uh, on a three fight win streak as well. So do you feel like Yamauchi can get the biggest win of his career and take down Michael Chandler? He's got the potential to. He's a high level Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. Um, he's a very uh, well rounded submission artist. He's very good on the feet as well, um, but. He's coming up from featherweight, and he's actually done very well at lightweight. And Michael Chandler's a big lightweight. Michael Chandler's a huge lightweight. He's got very explosive power. He's got very accurate punches. He's got great boxing. He's got very powerful wrestling as well. And he's got a very good top game. We haven't seen too many guys give uh, Michael Chandler any trouble off of, off of their back on the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Never. So it's going to be a very interesting fight. It's going to be a tough fight to go. You know... We, you always go for the underdog, but on this fight, 
kind of can't go against Michael Chandler here. I feel like his power is going to get it done against Goto Yamauchi. I feel like his explosiveness is just something that uh, Yamauchi is uh, inexperienced towards, and I feel like Chandler is just motivated to get back at Brent, Brent Primus. Yep, four of his last five wins, uh, Yamauchi have are, have come in by first round submissions. His last five wins have come from submissions as well. The thing that you just mentioned though is that Michael Chandler has his eyes on Brent Primus which might be he's overlooking Yamauchi. I'm not saying he is, and, and Michael Chandler, again, he's a professional, going to come in with the mindset of, I have to take down the guy in front of me first, but you always know that in any sport, that if there is someone that they need to get revenge against, they might be overlooking the guy in front of them. And Yamauchi is dangerous. If Chandler shoots and is you know a little bit lackluster, Yamauchi has shown submit him. that he has the ability to just put him into a guillotine and, and, and choke him out or possibly take his back and hit him with a rear naked choke. So Yamauchi has the ability for an upset, and I haven't been picking a lot of them. And if there's anyone with an upset written all over it, because I wouldn't call Francis really an upset because I think he's right now the favorite. In the books, and that's really the only one I've picked. And also he is Rob, a favorite. Slight favorite, but he is a favorite, nonetheless. And I think Rob Fonten and Thomas Almeida, you, it's pretty close. That's a close yeah, fight. Yeah, so, I mean, there's not really... Michael Chandler, clear favorite here. I'm going to go with Yamauchi. I think he's got everything that he needs to to possibly pull off an upset. Not saying he's going to. Well, I'm saying he's going to. I'm picking the fight. But I'll go with Goda Yamauchi. He's, he's, he's had a pretty nice couple streaks last seven fights, six and one. Uh, this is definitely the biggest fight in his career. He's going to be ready, motivated. Michael Chandler might be overlooking him, trying to get back to the belts. This uh, is a really big step in the competition. Lost. So, and 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 now is the time. At 25 years old, I mean, you've had so many fights in your career already. At 25, 25 fights, 25 years old. Um, this is the time to step up, Yamauchi, and I, I feel like he he has what it takes to do so. It'd be huge as well. Uh, a Japanese uh, fighter, you know, really taking a, a huge step up in any exactly. uh, MMA uh, competition because we really don't see that in the, in the UFC right now. There's not really a high-level uh, Japanese fighter no. uh, near the top in, in either Bellator or UFC, and Yamauchi could be that guy. It was Kyoji Horiguchi, but he couldn't get past DJ mm-hmm. and the smartness of DJ. Now he's and in risen, right? Yep, and the, yeah, and there hasn't been a, a Japanese fighter with a UFC belt since Kazushi Sakuraba, and that was his very first documented Mixed martial arts fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the legend uh, yes. prize. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy because I mean you, you even ago. look at Yushinokami. Yushinokami really hasn't been the same fighter in no, a while. Uh, Takanori Gomi hasn't been the same fighter uh, as well recently. No, he so hasn't. Um, it would be big for uh, another Japanese star to, to rise up, and, and Yamauchi with a win could be the next guy. Let's move on now to the former main event. Now the co-main event on Bellator 192. Great the fight, nonetheless. Welterweight fight. It, probably should be the main main event. I mean, these are two of the best welterweights, if not you know, two top five welterweights yes. in MMA, of all yes. of MMA right now. The champ Douglas Lima taking on Rory McDonald, the Red King. Lima coming in, defending his belt at 29-6. and six. Rory McDonald trying to win his first Bellator belt, um, and first belt, um, at least, uh, yes, between championship uh, UFC belt. and uh, Bellator um, in, in, in his career. So uh, looking at this, can Rory, the Red King, Finally get that elusive belt. It's right in front of him, and can he do it? I believe that he can. I mean, you believe that he can if you he but trains. will he? Will he? If he's, you know what? He's got some very good kicks. He's a very intelligent fighter. He loves to utilize wrestling. He's got some very good boxing himself. He's got very good forward pressure. But guys that put forward pressure on Lima, he's been able to utilize that lead left hook and angle off on that 
on that angle where guys don't see that left hook coming and knock guys out. You saw that with with Paul Daly. You saw that with Andre Kreshkov when he won back his belt. And mm-hmm. you saw that that stunned the pressure of Lorenz Larkin. And he's a pressure fighter with it's very kick heavy. Um, it's not. It doesn't exactly have the same flash, but Rory McDonald does have that kicking technique. Um, he's got. This is this. This fight just is the making for one of the best welterweights that there is outside of the UFC. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen that Rory is probably you know a top welterweight because I mean he's he currently defeated the current champ in the welterweight division, Tyron Woodley, and Tyron Woodley, the only guy recently to do so. That was a great fight. So he fought against Tyron. I mean, this this could be possibly the argument for the best welterweight in the world because Rory already has a win over Tyron Woodley, and if he you know gets the win over Douglas Lima. Could really easily, very well be the best welterweight in the world in, in most yeah. people's eyes. This is a really tough fight to call because Douglas Lima's got some very good uh, takedown defense, and Roy McDonald loves taking guys out of their element and ground and pounding them and taking them down. I th- believe that Roy McDonald's going to be the new uh, Bellator welterweight champion. I feel like he's very motivated. I feel like he put in the hard work to get to this point. I feel like his last fight with uh, Paul Semtex Daly was just his coming out party. I feel like we're going to see a different Rory McDonald in this fight. I feel like Douglas Lima is going to come very prepared for this fight, but, I mean, Rory McDonald's been there and done that at such a very young age. Yeah, and one thing, too, in, in the last loss that, I think it was his last loss uh, that Douglas Lima had, uh, up against Koreshkov, Bellator 140. Koreshkov dominated that fight, was winning 50-45, and obviously they fought recently, um, and Lima was able to overcome that, but Koreshkov won that with his wrestling. Yes. And we've seen Rory, especially coming out of TriStar and, and the great wrestlers that they've had come yeah. out of there with uh, Faraz, Faraz Ahabi and obviously GSP, these guys are just great wrestlers. Yes. And, and even though it's not naturally in them, GSP was never a high-level wrestler outside of MMA. He was one of the best wrestlers in all of MMA. And, and Rory has shown that ability as well. And Rory not only is a, you know has that ground ability as well, we've seen the striking from Rory as well. Rory's one of the best all-around fighters in probably mixed martial arts today. And that's why I feel like, you know, Douglas Lehman not taking this away. Maybe it's a UFC bias. Maybe just because, you know, I've grown up watching Rory McDonald, you know, ever since uh, about what, UFC 2, 124. What was that fight? Uh, what was when he it? fought Carlos Condit. 129. Uh, St. Pierre versus Shields against okay. St. Diaz. That was his big coming out party. That was I remember watching that because it was the, the St. Pierre Shields fight. Um, it's when I first got used to him. And then you see him go on the run, beat Nate Diaz, beat Mike Pyle, beat Shane Mills. Beat BJ Penn, beat Jake Ellenberg, and then you're like, all right, he's here's going to be the the fight he overcomes Robbie Lawler, and they have that absolute first war, split decision in three rounds. Then he goes on, beats Damian Maya, beats up Woodley, like we mentioned, then beats up Tarek Safferdine, and then you have one of the greatest fights in mixed martial arts history against Robbie Lawler at 189, and and you just think that if his nose isn't broken in half, that he might still win this fight and might still have the ability to become the welterweight champ in the UFC. So. I think Rory, everything's been there. He has all the tools to be a champion, and I feel there's no better time for him. Kind of like the with with Yamauchi, this is his his kind of make or break moment. If he's able to win this fight, he's going to cement himself as probably the best welterweight in the world. And now is the time to take it and, and become that champ that we know he can become. I think this is going to be Rory's win. I think that Rory's going to be able to be very well-rounded, probably not going to be outpointing him like Koreshkov did for 50 to 45. I feel like it's going to be a little bit closer between these two, but I think that Rory can win at least three rounds compared to Lima's two and end up as the welterweight, welterweight champion. Let's move on now to the main event. 
Quentin Rampage Jackson, 37-12 and 12 in his career, taking on Chael Son, 29-15-1 in his career. And this is the first of the Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix Tournament. It's going to be happening, I believe, uh, one fight in January, one fight in February, one fight in March, one fight in April. And I think it picks right back up in uh, May for mm-hmm. the, uh, I believe the, the, the semifinals. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Quentin Rampage Jackson, 39 years old. His last fight was a loss against Quentin Moe back at Bellator 175. Chael Sonnen, is this his heavyweight debut? I believe this is his heavyweight debut. Yeah, he just won against Vanderlei Silva in a very uh, weird fight. Uh, Bellator 180. Interesting Interesting fight. fight. Uh, Bellator 180. Uh, do you think Chael has enough to get the win over Rampage Jackson? You know what? Chael Sonnen struggles against guys that outpower him in the clinch, and Quentin Rampage Jackson has been known to at least stifle very powerful wrestlers in the clinch. Well, do you also just 50, think 50. that he's going to be able to outpower him because Chael isn't a true natural heavyweight? And while no. I mean, Quentin no. made most of his money at light heavyweight, it's I don't, not that big of a jump. I don't believe that Quentin's going to be able to knock him out, but I also don't believe that Chael's going to be able to take Quentin down. Mm-hmm. And if he does take him down, I don't think he's going to hold him there. And yeah. if he does hold him there, I don't think he's going to be doing much to him other than uh, some ground and pound. Um, he could look for it. He's got some really good chokes. He's got a good arm triangle choke. You saw that way back against his fight with Brian Stan. Well, so he's not him. ignorant to submissions. He nope. submitted a, uh, he submitted a Shogun Hua with a guillotine. Well, we see he's huge in jiu-jitsu now. Uh, he's doing all that stuff out in Seattle with all those, uh, uh, I think, non-gi events um, that, he, that he's doing in mm-hmm. a cage. Which is very interesting. I mean, you know, maybe Chael's really working on submissions because he knew this was going to be a jump that he was going to be happening. And I mean, it's not like Quentin's a jujitsu master. I no, mean, but if, he's not ignorant to jujitsu. He's very mm-hmm. he's, he's he hasn't but, been submitted since John Jones. But the thing about Quentin too is, I mean, like you look at Rampage's you know history recently. None of the guys that he's been fighting are true like submission masters. I mean, true. King Mo is more of a guy that's going to stand and brawl with you. Fabio Maldonado, Mal, Mal, Maldonado, I always mess up that name. I'm just like Quentin, where Quentin got on the mic and said, Fabio Mabababo. Uh, you know, I mean, Fabio is not that dangerous of a fighter on the feet or ground. It's not like, you know, Satoshi Ishii is, 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 is that great of a fighter as well. I mean, Chael is, is a step up in competition. I mean, maybe not to King Mo, but at least on the ground, he is a step up against King Mo. So I think it's possible that Chael, if he gets, you know, an opening, he might be able to you know, really dominate Quentin, at least in the submission game. I don't think that's too crazy, am I? No. That. That's not crazy to, uh, to say at all. Um, when when Quentin fought uh, Satoshi Ishii, he was fighting a uh, judo Olympian. So he was able to stuff those takedowns very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he fought King Mo, King Mo was also a very high-level wrestler. So he was able to take down or stop the takedowns as well. Uh, in the second fight, he had a little bit of trouble with that. But this is Rampage Jackson as a heavyweight, and he's got some power in his hands, and he's always had uh, that slam ability that we haven't seen in a very long time. He's always been able to pick guys up and slam them down. Is he going to be able to do that to Chael Sonnen? I'm not sure. This is a really tough fight to call, especially in the first round of the heavyweight Grand Prix tournament. I'm going to give it to Chael Sonnen. I feel like his wrestling's going to get it done. I feel like his submission top game's going to get it done. Um, he's got some pretty crisp boxing as well. Sometimes he'll throw a spinning back kick from southpaw stance. He's got some pretty good leg kicks, but uh, I, I really, his, in order for him to win this fight, he's got to stay with his bread and butter, and that's wrestling. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 a weird fight to call, like you like you mentioned. 
I, I don't know exactly where to go because, like you mentioned, I feel like Chael right now is the better fighter, even though he's a year older, and Quentin really hasn't been impressive in any of his last fights. I mean, or active. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. I mean, Chael really hasn't been active as well because he's been suspended. Um, but like the King Mo fights, just been iffy. You know, the Fabio fight when he returned to the UFC, nothing crazy. When he fought Ishii, nothing crazy as well. Um, when he fought Joey Beltran in his uh, Bellator de- debut, nothing crazy as well. And then in his last, you know, his, his end of his UFC career, at least, you know, around 2013, a bad loss to John Jones, got outworked by Bader, got outworked by Glover. Um, and then even the win before that, it was, a, it was he beat Matt Hamill, but eh, it's not that crazy. I mean, like, mm-hmm. Matt Hamill was never a world beater. Uh, and his career, so I I have a weird time calling this fight because I think Quinton has the size power. I feel like that's just going to be enough in this fight because I don't know what these guys bring anymore in their MMA career because Chael hasn't fought in such a long time. His fights against Tito and Vanderlei, nothing special. I haven't been wowed by Chael's performances. The same could go for Quinton, so I feel like I'm just going to go with the guy who's bigger. It's going to be Quinton Rampage Jackson who gets this win. Yeah, I agree. Um or I don't agree. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm a big Chael Sonnen. <laughs> but the thing is that, I, like, do you care about this fight? Like, it's, do you feel like this could be something big? I feel like this fight was a mismatch in terms of the in in terms of putting together the Grand Prix. Um, we've seen Rampage Jackson fight against guys who were wrestlers who just want to take him down and beat him up, and Scott Coker is somebody who. I would imagine likes to match guys up with guys who they who they'll look good against. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't think Rampage is going to look good against Sonnen. And if Sonnen's going to be able to knock, excuse me, if Sonnen isn't going to be able to take uh, Rampage down, then Chael's not going to look good against Rampage. So it's this is kind of a lose lose fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like kind of. Um, I mean, yes, they advance into the Grand Prix, but it, this this is a. There's nothing really it's that an, wowing me about it this isn't, fight. It isn't. It is. It it isn't a high stakes fight. Yeah. So we got Rampage. If if Rampage wins or Chael wins, they'll be moving on. They'll face the winner of Fedor versus Frank Mir. And even then, it's like, do I want to see Quentin face Fedor or Frank Mir? Not really. Maybe back in Pride in the Pride days. Yeah. If you were a hard, if you are a hardcore MMA fan, do I want to see Chael Chael Sonnen take on Frank Mir? Not at all. Like. I don't know about this Grand Prix. I don't know. It's definitely going to be weird. Like, I think the, the best fight that we're going to be getting is Matt Mitrione versus Roy Nelson. That's going to be That's on gonna February be a rematch too. 16th. And then outside of that, I mean, I think Mitrione versus Bader will be fun, but I feel like be that, interesting. Sh- that should be the final because those are the best two fighters in, the, in this card, are, are Bader and, and Mitrione. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy to say because Bader right now is a light heavyweight champion in Bellator. Yes, he is. So now he could be a two two weight class champion, and that I think could be detrimental to the to Bellator. Just saying that Ryan Bader, a guy that was always you know never good enough to win the light heavyweight belt in the UFC because of John Jones, DC, Alexander Gustafson, Rumble Johnson, Gilbert Shira, all these guys in front of him. Mm-hmm. Now he comes in and he's already your heavyweight champ and light heavyweight champ. I think it's a bad look for you guys. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. At least in their heavier weight classes. Yeah. When it comes to their lighter weight classes, you know, oh, yeah, we just middle talked about Douglas, weight, yes, yeah, middle weight, weight, lightweight, featherweight. Yeah. Um, I mean, their lighter weight classes are thriving, but their heavyweight classes, I mean, it's kind of the same as the UFC. They're kind of in the shallow end. It's kind of a wash. Who do you think wins this Grand Prix? Ultimately? I'm going to say Rory McDonald. <laughs> he wants to be an alternate. <laughs> He's a, he wants to be an alternate. 
Hey, Rory's his best fighter in this. In, 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 <laughs> out of these eight fighters, I'll take Rory McDonald. I don't care if he's three weight cr- classes. Wait. Oh, Sean Welterweight, middleweight, light heavyweight. This is why you're he's here. Three weight classes underneath him. This is I'll why still you're take here. him. He's a better fighter than all these guys. If that's the case, I'll take Justin Wren because he's he's campaigning to be an alternate. So if he's campaigning to be an alternate, I might as well. I take Bader and Mitrione. Uh, you know what? Um, I would either take. Mitrione, Nelson, or Bader. Really? You think Roy Nelson could do it? I think Roy Nelson could do it because people sleep on his power and his ground game. Uh, I think Matt Mitrione— Roy Nelson hasn't shown his ground game in like eight years. Exactly. I so think— um, it's not it's not that people are sleeping on it. He just doesn't have it anymore. It's not that he doesn't have it anymore. He'll, I mean, he he's a Henzo Gracie black belt. Yeah, but he hasn't shown his black belt in years. It like, doesn't he doesn't, mean he, he doesn't, doesn't train use it. it. He doesn't, but he doesn't use it. It doesn't mean he doesn't train it, it Sean. But the thing, the thing is that he's not a guy that utilizes his skill. I mean, he's not a guy that's going in there, and, and you never see Roy Nelson take it to the ground. You never see him use his best skills to his advantage. So it's it's he has it in his arsenal. It's because he gets lulled and caught into wars. Yeah, but he has it in his arsenal, but he's never used it. Smart fighters would use their best skill. You know what I'm saying? Against against Mitrione, he may want to stand and slug because he got the better of that exchange in his last fight. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll see a different Roy Nelson in this fight. Matt Mitrione could win the Grand Prix because of his footwork, because he's very smart heavyweight. He's he's actually very heavy handed and he's very light on his feet as well. He moves well for a heavyweight. Uh, Ryan Bader is just again he's their champion. And it'd be kind of cool, like kind of like a David Branch, where you, but he was the light heavyweight champion, the middleweight champion, yeah. versus uh, Bader, where you could be the heavyweight champion and light heavyweight champion. So it's between those know. three. Do you think? Do you think Bader would even last as a heavyweight? He's a big light heavyweight. He is. He's a, He's big a dude. huge light heavyweight. But do you feel like you could take the beatings from heavyweights? In I term, mean, it's not like if he puts on some muscle, puts on some weight. I mean, we'll see. I'd have to. See, we'd have to see him fight first. Biggest dark horse in this Grand Prix. The biggest dark horse in this Grand Prix. Yeah, you think King Mo, Rampage, Chael, Fedor, or Frank Mir could have a Cinderella run at this thing? Maybe Frank Mir, because really? he's been wanting to get Frank. Pretty cool. Frank Mir has Frank Mir has said in past interviews that he has wanted to win a belt for each of his children. So he's won the two UFC belts. It'd be kind of cool to get a Bellator belt under his strap and be one of a few fighters to get both a Bellator and UFC belt to add to his legacy. Who's uh, who, who else is that? Uh, Eddie. Eddie Alvarez. Is it the only one? I think I believe he's the only one. Yeah. So uh, Will Brooks? No, I'm trying to think of the guys who made Bellator to UFC jumps. Hector Lombard was a former middleweight, but no middleweight champion at Bellator, but he. He and ben Askren belt. is in one FC, and he just retired. Yeah, he, and he, he beat, never made a He UFC beat uh, Douglas Lima. Fun fact. Yeah, he beat up Douglas. He's a Lima. smaller dude. Yes. What does he usually fight at? One seventy. Welterweight. He does. Ben Askren. Yeah. Yeah. So weird because he's such a small guy. So. He's, he's he's what like five eight. He's a strong wrestler though. Oh, you know, he's a fantastic wrestler. He's five ten. He he looks smaller than that though. And he trains out of uh, Duke Rufus Academy with the long, with the likes of uh, the Pettis, Pettis brothers. Yeah. Yep, crazy. Yeah, retired eighteen and up. So, the fight that I'm most excited for between the two of these is the Ozdemir Vul- Vulcan K Ozdemir versus. That's uh, the one you're most excited for. Yes, really. Out of these Not two Stipe cards, versus Francis. France, France. Why I was saying Francis Stipe versus Francis. I mean, you said it yourself. When it comes to the UFC's heavyweight division, no one's actually held on to it for more than three times. Um, Doesn't that bring intrigue to you, though? It Doesn't does. Because you feel like Stipe could do it. Well, then you picked Stipe. Look, 
look at the light heavyweight division after Chuck Liddell lost it. It was Quentin Rampage Jackson, and then he lost it to Forrest Griffin. Then Forrest Griffin lost it to Rashad Evans, and then Rashad Evans lost it to Leota Machida. And lost then, to Shogun. and then it was supposed to be the Machida era who lost it to Shogun. And then John Jones was the second coming of you know whatever. And, yeah, he's the greatest and, fighter of all time. And then he and then he destroys everybody. Yeah. And then he destroys everybody. And then but, he destroyed himself. But he's reckless. Yeah. And DC, who's a professional, has is the white knight and is coming to this fight. I feel like everybody's kind of overlooking both DC and Vulcan Ozdemir in this, and in both events. I think the fight I'm most excited for is Douglas Lima versus Rory. Just because those That's two— That's going to be a great fight, too. Like, Stipe, Francis— Probably some of the best heavy. I would take if you're putting those guys in the heavyweight Grand Prix. I'll take Stipe or Francis without a doubt. Those guys would win. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, probably two <laughs> of the best heavyweights in the world. But I feel like Rory. I think Rory can make a really special story if if he gets that win. Yes, he is, he does. I think he would put himself as the as as the best welterweight in the world and outside of the UFC. At no, least. I would say best welterweight in the world. See, I would take him over. I would take him over Woodley. But Woodley isn't the same fighter then as he was now. No, he's not. But I'd still take Rory. I'd have to. I would want to see that fight again. I would love to see that. fight I'd again. want to see that rematch again. And like the the the, the Robbie fight was close, and Wonder Boy was such an algamy that he he did I, I he just didn't he didn't understand him. At you know that what? Time, against but, like, yeah, against the you know when you have a high stakes fight like that, you gotta have to, you you have to fight like that. Yeah, and I feel like if Rory got a second chance at Wonder Boy, he'd get the win. Yeah, so I. I still think that if Rory gets this win, he's the he's the best welterweight in the world. Okay. In Bellator, it's a good argument. UFC, Risen, um, PFL, <laughs> he's the best welterweight uh, in the world in my mind. If he gets that win, and I yeah. think it's gonna be an interesting story to watch to see if he's able to overcome Douglas Lima, who is such a great fighter. If he gets that win, thirty fights in his career, and probably could even make the argument that he's probably the second best welterweight in the world right behind Tyron Woodley. Yeah. The only reason I put Rory over Tyron is because he's got a head-to-head win, and it was pretty clear-cut that Rory won that fight against right. Woodley. So. Uh, any last thoughts, Danny? I mean, these the, these are going to be some great fights, some great cards. You guys should tune in. How are you going to be watching? Because we've got <laughs> two going on at the same time. So are you going to be watching the free cards, and then you're going to just watch the co-main and main? On uh, UFC? I have a f- extended family birthday get-together to attend to downtown Ooh. Chicago at Ooh. 5, and hopefully I will be back in time to order the pay-per-view and record um, DVR, the, uh, the, the the Paramount fight. Can you not the do Bellator that just in fight. Um, I could do that, too. Yeah, just record the one in, that in advance. I wanted to be a freak and watch both events at the same time, but my girlfriend was like, no. <laughs> Why'd she say no? Cause it, she she said that it would be too chaotic. I'm like, no, man, we gotta watch both fights at the, watch both at the same time. <laughs> Especially uh, the, the, the the hard part is the you're gonna have maybe the Rory and Douglas Lima yeah. fight lining up with the DC Vulcan fight. Yeah, because you let's be honest, we're not gonna be watching the Rampage Chill fight. We're gonna be watching the the the, the better heavyweight fight between Stipe <laughs> and and Francis Ngannou. Yeah. So I mean, but the I, if you had to pick DC versus Vulcan. Or are watching Douglas Lima versus Rory. Which one are you taking? Oh man! Because you might make, need, need to make that decision. Oh man! Are you going to want to be cued in on the UFC, or are you going to uh, be cued in on Bellator first? Like, what order are you put me watch on it? the spot here, Sean? You are you going to watch? Are you going to watch the UFC pay per view live and then just watch the Bellator one re- recorded? 
when it, it when it, it depends on how the time is, but if the Douglas Lima and Rory McDonald fight happens around Say the same you get time, home at nine. <laughs> Say you get home at nine o'clock, so you have enough time to order the pay per view. Maybe you're you're we're two fights in on the UFC card. Uh-huh. All right, and and we're 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 closing in. Uh, Third, the third fight right before, or the, and the last fight before the 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 co-main uh, is wrapping up, and uh, the 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 Michael Chandler fight just ended. So you're 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 pretty much running into the the Rory fight, probably being round two as the DC fight starts round one. What do you what are you flipping to? So, you, so so the Rory fight's still going on, and the DC fight is just about to get underway. Oh. Ooh. Oh my goodness! Curse you, Sean. I'd probably still go with DC Vulcan Ozdemir. I, I I would too. I just feel like it's a, it's a better program. Yeah. And like I I, I think top to bottom, Bellator's a better card. This card, top to bottom, is more stacked it's than UFC 220. Without a doubt. I but mean, 220 like, has the better main and co-main. Without a doubt, it's not even close. I mean, you have two title fights. Or excuse me, not the better, the more powerful, the more intriguing main I would say and better. co-main. I would use better. Better was a good term. Trying to be neutral here, Sean. But well, I, we can't. We can't all be neutral. I guess. Well, I mean, so, when you when you're putting up the two <laughs> in competition, one needs to be better. True. At least on paper, the two title fights are better. True. And you have, you know, four guys. And maybe DC isn't in his prime anymore. But you have four guys at the top of their game. Still might be compared in his prime. to Who knows? two guys at the top of their game, and then two old legends in Chael versus Rampage. Moving up in a weight class to fight in a tournament that there's pretty much two true contenders in, and one of them's a light heavyweight in Ryan Bader. True, but this one might get more viewership just because it's free. You don't have to pay for it. It's gonna be interesting. It could be a very big <laughs> sign for Bellator because if they lose to this pay per view, I think that's bad signs for Bellator because while there are two great heavyweight fights or two uh, two great fights in, the, in heavyweight and light heavyweight on the UFC card, even though this is free. If USC, if UFC and Bellator head to head in in numbers, I think that speaks volumes to the year that Bellator is going to have because this is one of their best cards that they can possibly put on at least top to bottom with Pico, Chandler, Roy McDonald, Douglas Lima, and if they're not able to beat or at least compete with the UFC, it could uh, you know spell some danger for for Bellator uh, down the the road. But anyways, that was Danny Gutierrez. We talked for an hour. Um, I'm out of breath. And you talked longer than I am, so I can't imagine uh, what <laughs> it was you are stamina-wise. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You guys uh, make this show happen every single week. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Next time we'll be talking to you, I think there's a, a fight card uh, next week. We got uh, uh, Derek Brunson taking on uh, uh, Jacare, I believe. That's a rematch in their fight from Strikeforce where Jacare knocked out Brunson. Yeah, and Jacare coming back after losing to Robert Whitaker, um, which was a, a pretty fun fight. Robert Whitaker knocking him out with the TKO. Uh, should be interesting to see, um, especially, uh, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a Fox card as well. UFC on Fox taking place in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Dennis Bermudez and uh, Andre Touchy-Feely on that card. And you also got uh, Mraz Bedtick coming back. Uh, Caitlin Chikugian, her favorite uh, fighter to say her last name, uh, fighting <laughs> on that one. And And uh, Bobby Green fighting on that one. Eh. Bobby King Green. There's some interesting names on that fight, but top to bottom, there aren't some great, interesting fights. Bobby King Green has the coolest... Dragon Ball Vegeta tattoo on his ribs. Really? Yes, he does. I don't remember that. Yes, he does. I'll, I'll have to look up the picture. <laughs> uh, Justine Quiche making her uh, return back to the octagon oh, after her uh, incident in the octagon. That's right, when she got choked out by uh, Felice Harry. Yes. Yeah, that was a little... Hazardous. 
little bit. Hazardous. A little, a little hazardous. Uh, a little bit. Ch- Caitlin Chikugian, Random Marcos taking on Julian Lima. Could be interesting. Anyways. All right. Sorry. And then after that, we got uh, Leota Machida making his return on uh, February 3rd, taking on Eric Anders. Uh, John Dotson, also on that fight card. And Valentina Shevchenko making her return as well on that fight card. That uh, one should be interesting. And then after that, uh, UFC 221. That's going to be the biggest fight card that we'll be talking about soon. Romero versus Rockhold. Uh, we'll be covering that soon. We'll yes. talk about that. And also, uh, Mark Hunt coming back, taking on Curtis Blades. So, uh, thank you so much for listening. Again, uh, Danny Gutierrez and Sean Anderson has been in the MMA minutes, pretty much the MMA hour, but that's been taken by Ariel Hawani. Yes. Have a great day. Hope you enjoy your fights on Saturday.